Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to Hitchens on Horror with 12 Nights of Terror, where we explore the best in holiday fear. I am your host, Josh Hitchens, and tonight, for night number three, we'll be talking about Christmas Evil, released in 1980. So, Christmas Evil is one of those movies that I think is burdened by its title. Christmas Evil was made under the name um, You Better Watch Out, which I think is actually a pretty great title for what this movie is. And in some prints of the movie, You Better Watch Out is the title card that you will see. But most people know it as Christmas Evil, and I think that's kind of unfortunate because Christmas Evil kind of makes you think that it's a low-budget, cheesy slasher shocker, and that in no way does justice to what this film is. Christmas Evil... I think is one of the best Christmas movies ever made, which is why I'm featuring it on this podcast. And that opinion is shared by John Waters, um, of course, legendary director of Pink Flamingos and many other wonderful films. And John Waters is really the person who rescued this film from obscurity, um, because when it was released in 1980, it was the first full-length Santa Claus killer slasher movie, um, as we talked about in the last episode, Tales from the Crypt and EC Comics in 1954-1972, got there first, but that was a small segment. But Christmas Evil in 1980 was the first film that was full, uh, the first full-length film devoted to a killer Santa Claus, um, and was soon to be eclipsed by 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night, which we will get to in just a couple days. But Christmas Evil, I think, is a very special case. Um, As I've said before, John Waters said, this is the best Christmas movie ever made. And he actually recorded a full commentary for both the DVD and Blu-ray releases of Christmas Evil, which I have sadly not have the opportunity to listen to. I hope to have that opportunity soon. But I have listened to John Waters' commentary on Mommy Dearest, and it's great. So I'm sure he has tremendously wonderful things to say. Now, Christmas Evil received its genesis much, much earlier than its release in 1980. It was actually conceived 10 years earlier in 1970. This film is both written and directed by a man named Lewis Jackson. And sadly, Christmas Evil is the only film Lewis Jackson ever wrote or directed. He was never involved in anything else for the rest of his life. And I think that's a great shame because 
he made a phenomenal movie. Christmas Evil is the definition of a labor of love, because it was ten years in the making. Lewis Jackson, in 1970, and he spoke openly about this, in 1970 he got really, really, really high on marijuana, and he had this vision of a man dressed as Santa Claus holding a butcher knife. And that vision did not leave his memory, and it inspired him to write this script, which he wrote in 1970. And, of course, this movie was not released until 1980. Lewis Jackson, in that 10-year period, never stopped trying to get this movie made. He uh, sent the script to many different producers over and over and over again. And in the film, the main character, as you will see when you watch it, has an apartment that is decorated walls full of Santa Claus memorabilia, dolls, and pictures. And those were all collected by Lewis Jackson himself, the writer-director, over a period of 10 years because he never gave up the idea that he would finally be able to make this movie. And it wasn't until uh, the success of John Carpenter's Halloween in 1978 that studios finally gave the green light for him to finally make his vision, which, as I said, was originally called You Better Watch Out, but was released as Christmas Evil. And Christmas Evil was one of those movies in the 1980s that was... Hugely controversial for right-wing folks. Um, in England, it was banned. It was part of the so-called video nasty censorship uh, that happened in the 1980s. And I think it, it's such a shame because it's wholly unwarranted because this film is made with such pure intent and is such a beautiful distillation of Christmas and an incredible character portrait as well. So, this being the first full-length feature with a killer Santa Claus, I think it's really interesting to examine how that came about. It's understandable and kind of surprising that horror movies didn't embrace that idea of a killer Santa before 1980 for a feature-length film, because... The best of horror is always transgressive. It is showing you things in ways that you feel like you shouldn't see. And Christmas and Santa Claus, of course, is such a sacred time, especially for children. And those children go up, grow up and watch scary movies, some of them. And everyone has their particular memories of experiencing Santa Claus as a child. For me, myself, I grew up in southern Delaware, and when I was a kid, you know, my parents did the whole ritual, leaving out milk and cookies for Santa Claus, and when we came down the next morning, way too early, I'm sure, for my mom and dad, the cookies and milk would be gone, eaten, obviously, by Santa. But I also remember 
When I was very young, I have a very vivid recollection of being in the bedroom that I shared with my younger sister. And on Christmas Eve, my mom was sleeping in the room with us. And suddenly she was like, do you hear it? Do you hear it? And there was footsteps on the roof of the house above our childhood bedroom, which was obviously Santa Claus. It was clearly my father, but the fact that so many parents go to such lengths to preserve that magic of Santa Claus for children, I think is such a beautiful thing. I mean, it's an ur it's a perpetuation of an urban legend all in itself, really. And I think Christmas Evil, the film released in 1980, truly respects that tradition and then goes in many wild and unexpected places with it. So Christmas Evil, when you watch it, opens in uh, on Christmas Eve 1947, and it opens with a recitation of the poem Twas the Night Before Christmas, which will be repeated at the very end of the movie to equally powerful effect. But what happens is that, of course, in Christmas 1947, in this house, the children are gathered on the staircase, secretly hoping to catch a glimpse of Santa Claus delivering their presents and eating the milk and cookies, and that's exactly what happens, and they're amazed by it, and they're like, oh my god, Santa, and they run back up to their bedrooms, except... One of the children, a boy named Harry, then comes back downstairs, and he sees Santa Claus kneeling in front of his mother, undressing her, pulling down her stockings, clearly getting ready to perform oral sex on her. So, the trigger point of Christmas Evil, the inciting incident, if you will, is this young boy named Harry seeing Santa Claus about to perform oral sex on his mother. Uh, it, it really takes the song I Saw Mommy Killing Santa Claus to its most extreme conclusion, and Harry is obviously disturbed by this. He runs back up to his bedroom, breaks a Christmas snow globe, and cuts his hand with it, and then the opening credits roll, which, depending on the version you watch, the credits will have the title of You Better Watch Out or Christmas Evil, either one. But then it goes to the present day, which of course uh, present day for this film is 1979, and Harry is now a grown-up man uh, working at the Jolly Dream Toy Factory. He used to work on the line assembling the toys, but now he's been promoted to one of those miserable middle management positions that are common across all professions. And I have to say, and mention at this point, Brandon Maggart, who plays Harry as an adult. It is one of the best performances in a horror movie. I truly mean that. That is an elite class. But his work in this film is great. His Harry is, as an adult, because of all his childhood trauma... 
he's seen as kind of a loser, both by his siblings and by his co-workers. No one really takes him seriously. They all joke about him. But Brandon Maggart's performance as Harry, he's filled with such pain and sorrow. And I think his best moments are when he's not speaking, when the camera just focuses on his face and you see his eyes, and his eyes speak volumes. A lifetime of sorrow is conveyed in just his eyes. It, it, it's truly an extraordinary performance. Um, Brandon Maggart didn't really want to do this movie, and he disavowed it for years until John Waters in the late 1980s and early 1990s started hosting these um, screenings of Christmas Evil and praising it, and then he really was able to get on board with it and acknowledge and own the great work that he did. Uh, Brandon Maggart, a random bit of trivia, is also the father of the brilliant singer-songwriter Fiona Apple, one of my favorite artists, which is just a really weird random detail. So, Christmas Evil was filmed primarily in Montclair, New Jersey, um, and several other towns surrounding Montclair. The toy factory uh, that they used was actually a real toy factory that was operational at the time. It was uh, owned by one of the executive producers, so that's how they got the chance to use it. So, uh, Brandon Maggart as Harry... Uh, perhaps understandably, is both traumatized by his childhood Santa Claus experience, but also drawn to Santa Claus as well. In the very first scene that we see Harry as an adult, he sleeps in a Santa Claus costume, and he wakes up to a Christmas music carousel alarm clock. And then he turns on the record player to Christmas music and he does his morning stretches and dances around balletically to Christmas music. I wish I could be that active in the morning. I think that time's passed. Um, and as I said, his apartment is decorated with hundreds of different Santa Claus paraphernalia, which the writer-director Lewis Jackson collected over a period of a decade. And... He's also uh, a voyeur in some ways. Harry, as played by Brandon Maggard, is a man who has grown up and really has no life of his own, no interior life, no one is close to him. Even his brothers and sisters and uh, sister-in-laws regard him as kind of a freak, you know, at arm's length. So he's really someone that is just so dreadfully alone. And he finds connection in watching both his co-workers and also uh, the neighborhood children uh, who live across the street from his apartment who he watches with binoculars. And it's to the film's credit that this is not presented in a, in a creepy, like, 
pedophile way. Um, because the thing that makes Christmas evil, I think, truly extraordinary and unique among the Christmas killer Santa movies is that the character of Harry, and as Brandon or Brandon Maggard plays him, really goes back to the morality of Santa Claus. That Santa Claus is a person of judgment, a person who always watches throughout the year, watches those and gives judgment if you are good, if you are bad. And it all comes to a culmination on this one night, Christmas, December 25th, where Santa will deliver the justice that you deserve, whatever that may be. And that's depicted by the character of Harry uh, writing these enormous tomes of books over several years, which you see in the film, and uh, there's two books for every year. One is Good Boys and Girls, in which he writes notes, and the other is Bad Boys and Girls, in which he writes notes. And that comes into play as the film happens. One of the, uh, well, really the turning point in Christmas Evil and the character of Harry comes when he finally decides to be Santa Claus. The first thing, one of the first things he does, aside from keeping his notes, is he has this big white van, and he paints on that white van an image of Santa's sleigh with the reindeer. And then there is a moment, finally, when Harry decides, after making the, his elaborate Santa Claus costume by hand, decides to put on Santa's beard with spirit gum, or whatever it might be. It might be super glue. Who knows? He's not the most in touch with reality and sanity. Um, but when he puts on Santa's beard for the first time, he looks at himself in the mirror, and then he tries to pull the beard off, and he can't. It won't come off. And then he starts crying, crying, and then he starts laughing and crying at the same time. And he says, it's me, it's me, it's me. And it's a really astonishing performance, um, that moment in particular. And I don't want to step out of turn here, but I think... That moment and every and a lot of what follows is why John Waters, when he talks about Christmas evil, um, describes that it could be read as a transgender allegory. Again, I don't want to step out of turn. I am a cisgender gay man. Um, but there's something about that moment um, because... Prior to that, Harry is so uncomfortable in his own body. He doesn't feel that he is himself. He feels that he's dreaming of an existence that can never happen. But once he puts on that beard and that wig and that Santa suit, he finally becomes who he has wanted to be his entire life. And... 
I can see what John Waters was talking about, and I think it's a really beautiful moment. And one of the things about Christmas Evil, as I've talked about, is that the character of Harry is not just a killer Santa. He's a Santa that has a deep sense of morality. So he actually goes and delivers presents to the neighborhood children across the street, except for that one boy, Moss, um, who he leaves a sack of dirt for, because Moss is the one child who is uh, naughty and bad. But another extraordinary thing that happens in this film is that uh, Harry, when, once he is Santa Claus, goes to visit a local hospital, uh, which is called Willowy Springs in the film. And it is a hospital for, as they say in this 1980 movie, retarded children. Um, and he gives presents to all those children in that hospital. And it's in that moment when Harry finally finds his voice and says, Full, with full voice, Merry Christmas, and he laughs joyously. And this is a man who, up until this moment in the movie, almost speaks in whispers, is almost ashamed to be seen, almost ashamed to say a word to anyone. But in that moment, he finally finds his full voice and his full purpose. An interesting thing about that. I mentioned that the hospital is called Willowy Springs in the movie. That is a direct reference and commentary on the real-life Willowbrook Hospital, which in the 1970s, Geraldo Rivera, as a reporter, went in and filmed and exposed the horrific atrocities and neglect that were being committed against the children kept in this mental hospital for youth. Um, so this film is directly commenting on that event. Um, a similar, and Geraldo Rivera won a Peabody Award um, for that, and it was because of his expose that conditions at the hospital were recognized and people took notice after years, I'm, decades of neglect. Uh, a similar thing happened at the Penhurst Asylum uh, near my local, current hometown of Philadelphia, uh, and both of those events were inspirations for the latter episodes of American Horror Story Asylum, uh, when you see Lana Winters, played by Sarah Paulson, going to expose the horrors committed upon the patients at Briarcliff, uh, Briarcliff Asylum, that is a reference to both of these two real-life events. Um, Penhurst Asylum is now used as a haunted house attraction, which I think is disgusting. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So, we're like nearly 75% into the movie, and Harry, the supposed killer Santa Claus, hasn't killed anyone yet. The first time he does, it's a reporter who mocks the work he's doing. And Harry does go on to kill more people. But the thing that's interesting about Christmas Evil and this particular murder Santa is that he only kills people 
who deserve it, who have been naughty, who are not good, who are not helping people, who are doing bad things. And in the midst of all the killing, he's going to, you know, a local union party and dancing with the children as Santa Claus. So it's this really wonderful juxtaposition that happens here with Christmas Evil, where you have this man who is, I mean, clearly mentally unstable and traumatized and should have gotten help, but never did or never had access to it, who becomes Santa Claus, the person he always wanted to be, and he's doing really good works on this night, and also brutally killing those that he feels kind of justly deserve to die because of the actions they have taken in their life. And he's eventually uh, pursued by a huge mob of townspeople, as you do. Uh, and there's one, it, it's an interesting thing about the filming of this, is that in, in that scene when he's pursued by a mob, Harry slips, because they did film this in winter of 1979, and that wasn't in the script. The actor just slipped, but the writer-director, Lewis Jackson, kept that in the film, and it makes it even more suspenseful. Um, so, Christmas Evil even though there were so many movies about killer Santa Clauses, and we're going to get to a couple more during these 12 Nights of Terror, uh, I think Christmas Evil has a special place. I think it is a much more complex film than it is given credit for. I mean... Silent Night, Deadly Night in 1984 is the most famous Killer Santa movie for good reason. Spawned four sequels. We'll be talking about that in a couple days. But Christmas Evil is different. It is really a portrait of a tormented human being that really is a tragedy in a lot of ways. And that is due both to the writing and the direction of Lewis Jackson, and the tremendously great acting performance of Brandon Maggart in the main role. He carries this film. Uh, there's, it's really almost a one-person film. You know, there are lots of other characters in this movie, to be sure, but we, they're only glimpsed in passing. We never become intimate with anyone in this movie except for Harry. And because Brandon Maggart is such a tremendously great actor, we see right into Harry's soul. It's beautiful work. This is also, and I think another reason why John Waters, call, and several others, call this one of the best Christmas movies ever made, is that it is such a beautiful movie to watch. I mean, this was a very low-budget film. It was made for about $85,000, all told, but it doesn't look like it um, because the cinematography is gorgeous. Uh, the movie almost glows uh, with Christmas snow and Christmas lights. It is so evocative of the holiday. 
I, I've read a lot of reviews of this film that call it almost Steven Spielberg in its visuals. And I don't think that's far off. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. The cinematographer, by the way, was Ricardo Aronovich, um, who writer-director Lewis Jackson had to basically beg to do this movie. And when Ricardo Aronovich accepted the job, the budget went up. Uh, about $200,000 because of Aronovich's lighting requirements. And that was money well spent because this movie, aside from having a great story, great performances, is also great looking, um, which is wonderful for such a low-budget film. So uh, Christmas Evil also, I think, has a truly... Haunting and unforgettable ending, where the poem "'Twas the Night Before Christmas" that we hear at the very beginning of the film comes back at the end alongside a visual that is, I think, breathtaking. The first time I saw the final shot of Christmas Evil, my jaw dropped. You'll never forget it. I highly recommend you watch this film. So, where can you watch it? Um, luckily, as with several of the other films we've talked about uh, so far on 12 Nights of Terror, you can find Christmas Evil for free on the YouTube. You can also watch Christmas Evil for free with ads on Tubi, which is uh, T-U-B-Y, which is a free streaming service. They have a lot of great content. Highly recommend checking out Tubi. It's very underrated. Uh, and also, as I have said before, and I will say again and again as we go through our journey until Christmas, if you have Shudder, the horror movie streaming service, which costs, I think, $5.99 per month, you can see Christmas Evil hosted on the last drive-in show by Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl, where they give much more background and trivia into the making of this film and its legacy than I have had time to go into here. However you consume it, I highly recommend you check out Christmas Evil. I think in the shadow of the more famous Silent Night, Deadly Night, and other movies that have come after it, it's sort of been a little bit forgotten and neglected, but I think Christmas Evil out of all the killer Santa Claus movies, is by far the richest. Uh, and one of, I agree with John Waters, one of the best Christmas movies ever made. Enjoy. My friends, thank you for joining me on Hitchens on Horror with our very special 12 Nights of Terror series. Our next film is also from the year 1980, and it's going to be a movie about a family that has pretty much the worst Christmas you could ever imagine. Tomorrow night, we're going to be watching and talking about The Shining, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick, based on the novel by Stephen King. Until then, 
I am your host, Josh Hitchens. Pleasant dreams. Happy holidays, my friends.